Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Best-selling author, speaker, and anti-human trafficking activist Christine Kane has put great devotion and kindness into helping fight the human trafficking movement. June 2021 welcomes the release of her new book, How Did I Get Here? Finding Your Way Back to God When Everything is Pulling You Away. I'm one of those humans that um, like becomes a fan of someone and feels like she knows them and is friends with them before she's actually even met them. And um, I have done that with a woman named Christine Kane. And she is an author. She's an activist. She's Australian born. So she's got this great accent. She's an international speaker. And uh, let me tell you, she is a powerhouse for kindness, especially kindness as it relates to the subject of human trafficking. And so I am so excited to introduce you today to my new friend, Christine Kane. Hi, Christine. Hey, Nicole, I'm so honored to be on. When I think of you, Christine, I think of two words. I think of passion and I think of purpose. And so I'm curious because the passion to me that I see coming through you almost as as a, like a, like, as a person sweats out, you know, um, they perspire. You seem to perspire this love for God. And this isn't a Christian podcast, but I just feel like I really want to address that. And I want to know, like, where does that come from? Okay, I love it. Okay, Nicole, I've never been told that I perspire. <laughs> I am so coining that. That is absolutely awesome. You may have it. It is so hard to, to really kind of separate my passion from that. But for me, you know, God has given me such a sense of purpose and significance and security. Let me just give you a, a two-second sort of reason why. Yeah. You know, I um I come from a background, Nicole, where I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. And um, I my birth certificate doesn't have a name on it. It simply says child's name, unnamed, number 2508 of 1966. Mm. And um, I was the victim of sexual abuse for many years in my, my childhood years. And so growing up and the daughter of Greek immigrants, very marginalized in Australia because of my ethnicity, my gender, you know. And um, so when, coming into my teenage years, I was so broken, you know, as would be the result of someone with that kind of abandonment and abuse and, you know, rejection. Um, and so I was, I was pretty angry, uh, very driven, but for all of the wrong things and full of incredible shame and incredible guilt really and bitterness and unforgiveness and so you know kind of in my very late teen years I truly did have um, an encounter with God before that my parents took me to church but you know that really was neither here nor there it just kind of whatever um, but I really in a very personal way encountered God and there was just a transformation that happened um, from the inside out and I found this sense of significance and purpose and belonging and forgiveness and and I think because of that um, I was able to then channel just so much of that that I felt into like I kind of felt rescued and restored mm -hmm. well here I am today through the work of A21 you know rescuing uh, men women and children in in 15 countries all around the world from the ravages of human trafficking but it was very much the hope I found um, in a relationship with God that I think has driven and undergirded my wanting to help other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, the A21 campaign, it, this is what gets me about it, is that you are in the trenches of, of a discussion that I have a hard time 
even thinking about, like I get sick to my stomach when I think about what is happening to people in this world. And I'm wondering, how do you walk that out every day? Yeah, you know, Nicole, it's not a small thing. There's, um, it's estimated there's there's at least forty million slaves in the world today, more than ever before in the history of humanity. And, you know, I'm a mom. I've I've got two kids, a nineteen year old and a fifteen year old, and it's deeply disturbing um, reading some of the reports that we get about what uh, what people do to people. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's just horrific and it's so wrong. And especially, you know, in certain countries of the world, just the uh, the number of young children. We've got kids in our care that are 18 months old um, that have had just the most horrific things done to them. Um, you know, and so it, for me, again, my grounding in my faith is very much what helps me be able to navigate mm-hmm. um, this. We've also got, you know, we've got wonderful programs, restoration programs all around the world. Uh, we have a lot of training and ongoing training with all of our aftercare workers, a lot of trauma training because what they're exposed to on the front lines is is just horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we take very seriously uh, at A21 the work of really, really um, helping our aftercare workers, helping all of our frontline workers, ongoing training, ongoing support, um, making sure there's a space out of all of this to keep perspective because uh, to just live in that rabbit hole of mm-hmm. uh, just brokenness um, is extremely depleting and extremely demoralizing. And then what also gives you hope, though, is seeing the rescues and seeing, uh, you know, traffickers being prosecuted and being sentenced and convicted and and go to jail. I think those wins, Mm -hmm. um, you're in it for the one. So every one that is rescued, we still celebrate. We have a big bell in our office and all, all our offices around the world. And every time someone is rescued, we ring the bell. It's a it's a victory, freedom, remembering always it's about the one. It's always about the one. And I think as long as I keep it about the one uh-huh. um, and see those stories of redemption and, um, you know, hope, it keeps me going. You know, we've had a couple of survivors in the last uh, little while just graduate from college and graduate from business school. And I'm thinking, you know, eight years ago, they were trapped in slavery. And today they're graduating college and launching businesses. And it's those wins that keep me going day after day. Yeah. yeah. I understand that about the one, because I feel the same way. It's, it's you know, if I do a podcast, if I do a something and someone, one person hears this and they have hope and they their day is brightened for me, it's it's like, okay, that was worth it. Oh, yeah. It's never more complicated than one. And for me, I think, you know, Nicole, when I think my birth certificate, it's got like number 2508, you know, unnamed. Um, Numbers are numbing and very dehumanizing and desensitizing. Mm -hmm. And I think in life, you know, it's so easy to ignore suffering when it's nameless, faceless. It's just a number. But because when I look at my own birth certificate, um, nothing is ever just a number. That's why one is never insignificant to me because it's a real live human being. Mm-hmm. It's a real live person. If I say 2508 of 1966 to you, you're like, you know, it means nothing. But if I say Christine Kane, it, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so to me, the one is a name, it's a person, it's a, so it's not just 40 million numbers, yeah. it's one. It's 40 million times one human being um, that's created with innate dignity and value and purpose. So that is the way that I stay very encouraged in what we do. So I think that begs the question about what those of us who are maybe on this side of that battle, like, what do we do? What do we, how do we stay in that and, and, and help with that 
knowing that these are not just numbers. These are not just news reports from somewhere else. These are real people uh, and they are our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. You know, well, all of us, none of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. And I'll tell you, Nicole, when we started A21, um, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm plugging the website here because I think it's yeah. going to be so beneficial for people. Um, uh, I always made a decision I was not going to just travel and tell stories that in some ways would end up just paralyzing and crippling people. Because when you hear the magnitude of the problem, you get overwhelmed by right. it. You're like, what could I do? Here I am. You know, I'm watching this uh, live right now and it's like, okay, so I'm in, you know, the back of somewhere in the Midwest. What could I possibly do for this global pandemic with, you know, and, and, and this injustice and there's mafia involved and there's law enforcement and what do I do? So I always made a decision. We would put things up that would mean wherever you are today, whatever season of life you're in, this is what you can do. And on our website, we have 21 things you could do today. You don't need money to be able to do it. You don't need education. You don't need training. You don't need, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever seen the film Taken with Liam Neeson, but most people, when it comes to trafficking, they're thinking of that taken and you know the girls are abducted and taken um and the the father calls and he says i've got a particular set of skills and i'm going to come and use them and um so we all want to think like okay i'm going to go take out the traffickers and i'm like you know that's really not how it works um so here are some tangible practical things you can do today that would help you, whether it's sending um, an email to one of your government officials. I mean, we've got all the links, all mm -hmm. the contacts. This is what difference this is going to make. This is how you can write a letter of encouragement to a survivor. This is what you, and we we will get it into their hands. This is how whatever skills you've got. What I found is that if everyone just tries to do the one thing that they can do, here is the deal: there are nearly eight billion people in the world and or probably more, and there are only, four, when I say only, relatively speaking, 40 million slaves. So the odds are on our side. If we could mobilise everyone to do one thing, there's actually more of us that are not in slavery that are in slavery. So those of us that are not in slavery can actually help to set people free by doing the one thing that we could do. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes that one thing is encouraging, isn't it? It's just encouraging someone else um, along the way. Yeah. So, and you encourage women in in uh, another way as well through Propel Women. Can you talk about yeah. that for a little bit? Yeah, I'm very committed to helping women. Um, you know, tap into their their passion and their purpose yeah. and their potential. And um, you know, Propel is something started six years ago, and we have uh, 4,000 chapters in 120 countries around the world now. So, you know, we have 100 Propel chapters in Pakistan. And so I love to watch women in Pakistan images um, going, okay, what is my potential in this context? And, you know, and and all over the world, in Dubai and in Qatar and um, over throughout Africa and South America and, of course, you know, the South Pacific and all of the regions of the world. Um, because I just think that there is so much untapped potential in women. Mm -hmm. And I want to help women to internalize a leadership identity, whatever that might mean. I mean, you could be a stay-at-home mom, um, homeschooling 10 kids, but I mean, you're a leader. You know, you're a leader yeah. of that and you're running something and you could be a corporate CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you're a leader. So I want women to help uh, help them see that, you know what, you have more agency than you think that you have. And if we can help to activate that potential on the inside of you, uh, in whatever culture you come from, and, you know, there are just different 
cultures have different expectations. Um, I just think that women can live more flourishing and fulfilled lives. And, you know, I am a woman. I love women. I've got two daughters. Mm -hmm. And um, I think because I come from a very staunch Greek Orthodox background, and, I, I, you know, I'm 55 this year, so I grew up in an era in the 70s and 80s um, in Australia where women were certainly not encouraged to, you know, pursue their dreams or we were not even taught uh, that we had potential. In fact, you know, I came, my parents were great, but they were very old school Greek. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I came from an era, most young women listening to this will be freaking out, but, you know, where <laughs> I was told, you don't go to university because if you are too educated, no man will ever want to marry you. You know, you don't want to be smarter than any man. And I have to tell my staff, I mean, I've got hundreds of millennials that I employ. They laugh at me. They don't think this is real. And I'm like, no, this is a real, th I mean, I was actually engaged um, at 18 and my then fiance's parents gave me the uh, ultimatum, either marry our son or go to university. It can't be both things um, because you cannot be more educated than our son. And, um, you know, there are plenty of countries and villages and places around the world where that's still, you know, mm -hmm. that's not, uh, that is still very normal. And so I think a lot, it, like my work with human trafficking, I think a lot of that comes out of my own life story of abuse and abandonment. You know, there's only one degree of separation between me and those girls. I mean, I was born and left in a hospital in Australia. Well, there's a rule of law in Australia. There's an adoption system in Australia. Well, if I had been left in maybe Albania or Romania or Greece, where there was no proper, at the time, rule of law or adoption system, I could be one of the kids that I'm rescuing today. Right. So there's just such a close uh, connection. And the same when I, I want to help women around the globe, I'm like, you know, I know what I've walked through, so I feel like, um, you know, I can, I can understand. I, I have a very global perspective. Greek is my first language. I've, I've lived in different places. I've got offices all around the world. So I, I think that as with most things, when you want to help somebody else, um, you can take some of those things that could have destroyed your own life and you yeah. can turn them around and, and work them to help to give someone else a future. And I think I'm living proof, Nicole, that your history doesn't have to define your destiny. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that, you know, um, some of those things, a lot, some women with my kind of background might think, well, that disqualifies me. What could I do, man, if I was abandoned or abused or adopted or, you know, marginalised, then my life will amount to anything. But I think that um, I hope my life will inspire people to go, no, 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 the very things that you thought would take you out are the very things that can be used to help mm -hmm. somebody else have a future. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've talked with with some young people before and about you know some of the troubles they've gone through and just trying to encourage them that you know God wasn't punishing you. He is not punishing. He is preparing you to be able to help another person in the future. And uh, that shift in perspective is is really powerful. I think that you challenge our perspectives um, a lot through your writing, and that's really exciting because you have a brand new book that's coming out June eighth. How yes. did I get here? Ah! Would you talk about your book? <laughs> okay. I, you know, I think, um, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, the last few years have been quite volatile, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And um, I think there's not a sphere of society that hasn't been impacted. I mean, of course, the whole world, we've all right. just come out of this global pandemic and, you know, several countries where we have A21 offices, they're still in full on lockdown right now. So, you know, everyone's at differing degrees of coming out of all of this. Um, 
here in the United States, I think, you know, in the last five years, politically, uh, it's been so volatile and chaotic and divisive. And I think obviously with all the racial injustice and so many issues coming to the fore, people have felt really rocked. I mean, mm -hmm. things have just changed and pretty rapidly, you know. Um, and I think just for me, 2016, 2017, I had a, a few personal things happen. My my mother passed away. Um, my uh, sister-in-law, who was my age, my husband, one of his sisters, one of his brother-in-laws. Here we are living in America. All of this is happening in Australia. And for me particularly, my mum passing away, I think triggered a lot of stuff to do with my biological mother, my adoption, um, because I never found out any of that until I was 33. So, until, uh, you know, at 33, that's when I found out I wasn't who I thought I was. And so very shockingly, um, I found out that I had been adopted and I had grown up, My that my oldest brother was adopted from one set of parents, I was adopted from another set of parents, and my younger brother was the only biological child, but we grew up our whole lives thinking we were all um, wow. biological kids. So that's a story of its own yeah. of how that even came to that pass. Um, and so in the midst of all of that, uh, th that happened. And then in, in a relationship, and I think particularly 2016, 2017, a lot of, there was a lot of relational tension period um, happening. And so, you know, a, a relationship that was so dear to me, I felt like I'd been betrayed in that and it just really rocked my world. Uh, Work-wise, just inevitably, you know, you, you're leading a large organisation. There's always something going on. And if in, in any way, I think in our world, if you're any kind of public figure, you know, there's half the people wish you were saying more about everything. Other people wish you were saying less about everything. Yeah. You're not going to win. It doesn't matter who you are, what side of anything you're on. It's just like you you wake up and you're like, who's going to be disappointed with me today? Before Isn't that the truth? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, you just cannot win. I'm like, literally. And so I got to this place and I remember one day my husband was like watching this Netflix series on like the Navy SEALs on Hell Week. I didn't even know what it was, right? So I'm walking in and there's this Hell Week where they're like, basically it's that week you go to to determine whether you're going to be a SEAL. You know, they try to break you down emotionally and, and uh, uh, you know. They, I you would know, fail, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I, we, would, we wouldn't even get in. We're not <laughs> even good enough to get in to to fail right and so you've got to be the elite to get in and then obviously what they try to do is break you so that if you're going to break you're going to break there and you're not going to break um on the front lines and so the whole goal is that they break you mentally or physically so that you go in and you ring the bell now you're still in the you know military but you ringing the bell means i'm going to take a shower i'm out i'm not going to do this and um i said to my husband there was this one scene they dropped the guys out of the helicopter they had to swim you know miles to the uh, sure, they hadn't slept for five days. They had this, and I said, I think this is how I feel. And he's looking at me like, you know, how has this parallel got anything to do with anything? And I said, it's like, I've always considered myself, even in the work that I'm doing, we're like the Navy SEALs, man. We're on the front line. We're rescuing people. We're empowering women, you know, like we're doing, yep. like helping yep. people. Um, I said, and uh, the deal is that I feel like in a sense with all this coming at me, you know, the personal, trying to work through your personal stuff, you're a public figure, you've got all this stuff going on. Um, I said, I feel like I've been dropped out of the helicopter and I know I could swim to shore and I know that I could fulfil the assignment, but for the first time in over three decades, I don't know if I want to. Mm. And I had never, and then I turned around to him and I went, how did I get here? Like, how did I get to this place where I thought, I might just take my foot off the gas, nobody would really know, 
um, just ride the momentum of the last three decades and just go, it's, it's just too hard to keep going. It's just too painful to keep going. It's just, and I think in life, you know, as I was sharing that, it was resonating with everyone that, you know, it was like there was this sort of drift happening, whether it was mission drift at work or in terms of your purpose or relationships or marriages or health or, you know, there was, and I remember when I was young, you know, Nicola, my dad would take us to the beach in Sydney and there was this, um, you know, he put up a big Greek beach umbrella, nice and colourful somewhere. If you've seen my big fat Greek wedding, that is my big fat Greek wife. And then he'd put like some towels somewhere else. So there was this thing happening. And he would say to us, when you go out to swim, the currents are moving under the, uh, under the ocean. So he says, you're not going to feel it. But the fact is, if you do not check your markers often, you're just going to drift out to sea. And, and I remember he used to say to us all the time, listen, you don't have to try to drift. The only thing you have to drift to do to drift is nothing. Mm -hmm. Just do nothing and you'll drift. And it was like, check your mind. And I thought, okay, how, while these currents are shifting for all of us, I mean, in every sphere of life, what are some markers that we need to have where you're looking up while everything's going cray cray in the world around yeah. us and going, what are my markers that make me one day not wake up and go, how did I get here? Because I think a lot of times, I mean, all you have to do for your marriage to drift, you don't even have to go and have an affair. Just do no. nothing. Right. Don't, just do nothing. And you're going to, you know, suddenly you're going to wake up and go, how did we get here? Right. Or with your kids or your health or your fitness. Um, and so really the book came out of that. I thought if I, who is highly motivated, highly engaged, can reach a place where I'm thinking, you know what, how did I kind of get a bit of mission drift here and, you know, imagine how many other people must be kind of feeling really battle uh, like storm tossed at the moment just going man I'm drifting and I think even with people with what they believe in life even like um you know we've seen so many institutions so many authorities just kind of let us down and failures and it, just the last four years um there have been so many things that have just shown us like whoa People are not who we thought they were. Institutions are not what we, I think there's all of this stuff and people are just like drifting. They're just like, man, everything that I used to hang on to has just kind of shifted. What can I hang on to? So, I, I, you know, of course, in there, I talk a little bit, well, look, as a 55-year-old woman, here are some things that have worked in my life. If this can help anybody, yeah, whatever you believe, <laughs> wherever you're from, here are some things that have anchored me and even as I have felt the drift like everyone else uh, in this season, because I don't know how else to word it, but, you know, the world has gone cray-cray. I'm like in the midst of all of the, I can't keep up with it. Um, yep. I'm like, what is going to keep me anchored in, in these times? It's awesome. It's good. It's so good. All right. Well, um, for people who want to learn more, christinecane.com. She's on social media at Christine Kane. And um, really at, at christinecane.com, you can get to A21 campaign and propel women. And there are online courses and you've got a live event coming up to, to um, just have a little fun with the, the release of the book, the book. Yeah. And so all of those great things are coming up. I really encourage everybody watching to, or listening to um, connect with you uh, because you are such a powerhouse and you are such a, a wealth of encouragement. I'm wondering before we let you go, if you would be willing to share a story of kindness, um, whether it's something you've done and something, you know, how that made you feel or a time when kindness showed up when you needed it. 
you know, I mean, I've got so many, but I'll tell you a, a regular act of kindness that always makes me feel so loved. It's such a small thing. But um, Nick and I have been married for 25 years and um, every morning for, he comes downstairs, makes me a fresh pot of coffee and brings me coffee in bed every single morning. I oh, know I'm saying this publicly for the world. Oh. <laughs> so, I don't even know how, you know, how much more kind you could be to a human being. <laughs> oh, that's precious. And, you know, it's the, it's the, um, you know, you talk about the, the drifting and just do nothing to drift. But when we have some of those, um, they're like staples in our relationship. My husband goes to bed later than I do every night. So every night he texts me in and, um, and he, and I'll, and I'll say to him, give me a kiss when you come to bed. And he says, I always do. And he, oh. and he <laughs> says it every single night. It's like, we have to say it to each other. And so I think that those really help, um, kind of as, as guardrails and, um, you know, the, the markers that you talk about. So. I love it so much. Uh, thank you, Christine, so much for talking with us today on the Kindness Podcast. I really appreciate it and uh, wishing you all of the best with your new book, How Did I Get Here? So thanks, Christine, and thanks, everyone, for listening today and uh, being a part of the Kindness Podcast Live. I sure appreciate it. And um, just so everyone knows, I should probably say I am heading on a sabbatical. So um, at the end of May, I will be off of social media. I will be off of, um, well, all of it, all of it. I'll be off the grid. And so I'm going to come back, but uh, first I'm going to get refueled and recharged. And um, so I will not see you on the Kindness Podcast live for a while, but we'll, we'll be back with season five before you know it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 